Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I am Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, we made it. We're here. It's game week. We did it. The long night is over. All right. our hard work and dedication, and we made it to this. But now I'm just kidding. It's not that hard of work. Well, but. you couldn't have done it without us. So let, let me just be the first <laughs> to say that we're both glad that we're here, but we all know you couldn't have done it without us. Um, so thank you to us, right? Um, yes. Thanks to us again. 100%. Um, but no, I mean, what a, what a feeling to wake up on Monday and know that college football is waiting for you. Not on Saturday, on Thursday. The Cowboys play in like three days, two by the time you you hear this podcast. So, I mean, what a feeling. It's wild. It, it doesn't even feel like it, even with the games last Saturday. I feel like it's going to take me stepping into Boone Pickett Stadium this Thursday to really actually realize it's football season. I think I agree with you, too. I, f- number one, from the lack of a single a uh, noteworthy football game outside of Nebraska Northwestern, which one could argue that that's not noteworthy either. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, I think this is the official start, right? Like that is total week zero. This is the start of college football to me. I agree with you. Yeah. That felt like NFL preseason on Saturday. <laughs> I still had a good time watching it. You know, we had the games on all day. I was uh, in Baton Rouge with some friends, but it just it didn't feel like Oklahoma State football season had started, and it hasn't because that nope. will start this Thursday. And I'm are you going to the game? I I sure will be there. Um, awesome. I'm trying to hit up Stone Cloud Stillwater too before the game. I, I haven't been up there yet, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. They got the new tap room up there. Might be pretty good. But oh, nice! I actually didn't even know that. That's awesome. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no free ads, but, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I will be there Thursday. Um, it's going to be a blast and I'll say this as much as I dislike the Thursday opener when it's happening, like that, that commute to Stillwater real fast after work, isn't it great on Saturday? It's behind you. You can just, the day is yours now to, to watch as much college football as you want. Oh yeah. And Me personally, I'm not going out of town for Labor Day this year, but I'm sure people that go to the lake or had a trip planned or anything like that are excited that they can just take Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday and not have to worry about missing an Oklahoma State game. So, But I agree with you, Thursdays are not not my favorite kick day, but (laughs) it's a kick day, so it's a football game day, so I'll be there. That's a great point. My last last note before we we get on with it – let's not play football games in Ireland. If college football games in Ireland, something wrong about that, uh, especially to open the season. I think that alone made it not feel like it was really here. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. Just, just keep it in America. Just keep it here. (laughs) We're going to cut this part. Uh, No, 
Dustin, I mean, let, let's just get right into it. We've got obviously the Central Michigan preview coming up in this episode. Um, and as we mentioned, this podcast may feel and look a little different than you're used to over the offseason, but that's probably for the better. Dustin and I now can't uh, ramble uh, endlessly. We actually have a plan going into this, so that's fantastic. But we've got that for you. We've got some news and notes. And then, as always, we're going to hit listener questions and um not shocking you guys came strong with the listener questions again so looking forward to that but dustin i'll kind of kick it over to you for for some uh some news and notes yeah just some thanks Kate. just some quick notes on on how everything kind of setting up as we move into game week so kate and i mentioned last week fall fall camp is done they're moving on to actual central michigan prep they had practice on saturday in full pads which would normally be like your tuesday practice they practice on Sunday, which would be like your light Tuesday practice. Then basically everything's going to be set in the game plan as of today and finalized. They have the walk through Wednesday. They stay at the Atherton Wednesday night, then Thursday's kickoff at 6 p.m. So that's kind of how this week will lead in. You know, they're having scout team kind of emulate what Central Michigan does on offense and defense. So that's what they'll be working we also, I saw, finally saw somebody that was able to confirm the Blaine Green injury. Robert Allen of Pokes Report said Blaine Green will be out for a while. So that kind of confirms what you and I thought. Right. It sounds like there's going to be, you know, that set, when Gundy said seven to 10 days, they'll, they'll probably get a second opinion, but I believe he had surgery. So I think no matter what, he's going to be out for a little while. I think it's either going to be, is he out for a few four to six, eight weeks, or is he out for the entire season? So I think that's kind of what we're looking at. And then we also got confirmation. Jeff Robertson will miss the season. We talked about that last week, but it, it's apparently a foot injury. Yikes. Well, neither of those are ideal. Um, especially, I mean, Robertson was, was going to contribute from everything we had. Heard. Yeah. We had him in R2 deep. hundred percent. Um, and the Blaine green thing we've talked about, uh, quite a bit, but, you know, my, my opinion of it is still the same. I think it limits some of the versatility that you would have been able to find uh, out of that cowboy back position. But who knows? Maybe there's some tricks up their sleeve. Casey Dunn was talking about on, on the OSU Max, uh, my time, um, the follow one of those. He was talking about how Rashad Owens can move all around the field. He said at the X, at the Y, at the Z. And uh, it sounded like they are comfortable rotating him around, which just to me, like, I'm going tinfoil hat. We're going to see him at that spot at some point. I just, I can feel it. I don't, I don't know why, but I can feel it. Maybe there's a red zone package or something for him. Get it, get him uh, matched up against a slower linebacker. Who knows? But it's a, it's a killer. I, I think it's a big time, big time miss early in the season. Yeah, I completely agree. Kate, that was really all the notes I had aside from the depth chart being released literally right after we podcasted. So, <laughs> well, can I just say no, I mean, no new notes. The weekend before a game is great to know. Like that's good. No news is good news at this point. In the yeah. season. I mean, the only other thing that you and I have been kind of discussing mentioning on here is that we believe Brennan Presley has been kind of day to day and I wouldn't be shocked if he's not a full 100% go on Thursday, but I think he's still going to play. I, I don't think it's going to be a thing where he doesn't play at all, maybe. 
I think he's still going to play, but if you see John Paul, Cabanis, even you just mentioned Rashad Owens, who Casey Dunn talked about in that video, playing the slot, as you said, if you see those guys kind of rotating into that slot receiver position and Brennan not playing that full amount of snaps that we're used to, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think he's badly injured. I think it's a day-to-day thing. And if they're handling Central Michigan, I'm not sure he's going to play that full amount of snaps. I, I mean, I, I am to the point where I'm, I'm not expecting much Brennan Presley at all. I mean, it seems like he hadn't been practicing all that much uh, with any of the contact stuff. So I, I am with you, and I'm almost to the point where we just, we just might not even see him. We may see him in some special team stuff just for the sure-handedness, but outside of that, I don't know. And, and you're right. And if he does play the full game and we're wrong, it, we just had heard he was day-to-day. Right. We know for a fact he was early on in fall camp, he was doing no 11-on-11, no full contact stuff. So it just it's just kind of a guess from us on what we've heard, but that's just kind of – I think you and I are just trying not to get optimistic about it so we're not let down when we don't see him out there. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely important to note is that I'm not saying Brennan Presley's not playing. I'm just concerned that he won't, and that's, oh, yeah, all, I, that's all I have to say about it. So <laughs> 100%. So, Kate, on the depth chart, you and I, I don't think, unless I'm missing something, there was no surprises with the ones on offense or defense. Which That was pretty much everything we thought throughout the entire summer and fall. We didn't make many changes to our ones, and this is kind of what it looked like or what we thought it was going to look like and just got that confirmation literally right after we recorded the podcast. Which is nice, right? It yeah. came out after, too, so nobody could claim shenanigans. So. <laughs> Uh, you kind of said it tongue in cheek earlier. I, I like it. And the the fact that there's no surprises is a good thing. I will say that uh, Jordan Reagan at, at the second string corner, we had talked about it as possibly and likely, but just seeing that confirmed, I think was the only thing that I was like, hmm, all right, here we go. Like it was the only thing I felt like might not have happened. Yeah. hundred uh, percent with the twos. Like you mentioned, there's the Raymond gay, we had talked about him playing that strike safety position, but besides Thomas Harper got that confirmed. We made that change late on our depth chart after hearing a few things on it, but you're right. The, the Jordan Reagan, we thought that would be a cam Smith Yep. in the two deep DeMarco Jones. We were pretty sure about, I know a lot of people are obviously talking about Brock Martin, Colin Oliver and Nathan Latou at one of the defensive end spots. And then the other one being Tyler Lacey, Trace Ford and Cody Walterscheid. Gundy kind of cleared that up. And also yep. if you watched either of those follow videos that Cade was talking about, especially obviously the one where they're talking about the trench Cowboys, they mentioned in there and Gundy mentioned in his pregame press conference with the media this week that he wouldn't take too much into account on that because they're going to move these guys around so much. I, I wouldn't think that Trace Ford's going to be hand in the ground 90% of the time, which <laughs> you would kind of be led to believe if you took this depth chart for what it was worth. Like, so I, the, all, all that to say, I think the defensive line is going to move all around. They're going to do a lot of interesting stuff. So I wouldn't, if you're worried about that at all, or think that's not the right spot for Ford, I, w- I wouldn't really get too hung up on that. I, I love you clearing that up. And Gundy said that uh, he absolutely did said they're going to rotate and almost said that that position group is interchangeable through like five. So um just absolutely stupid loaded at, at the edge positions. I, 
it plays into kind of the Central Michigan preview that we'll get into later. But I mean, just uh, uh, embarrassment of riches at that edge and Leo and uh, all those spots on the defensive line. So, yeah. And then on the offensive side, again, as you called out on the defense, the twos is kind of where we saw a few interesting things. You know, the or with Gunnar Gundy and Garrett Rangel, we talked about that. Sounds like if Spencer were to come out, Gunner is next up. Gundy said as much in his press conference. Outside of that, we saw the oars that we thought we were going to see with running back. You and I said it's probably going to be Dominic, Jaden, and then an oar with Ollie and DeAndre after that. The one note, though, as I'm going kind of from bottom to top on this depth chart, Jake Schultz with the oar next to Braden Cassidy. How did you feel about that? We talked a lot about Jake on last week's podcast. I didn't think he'd be an oar. I thought it would be Braden Cassidy and then Jake Schultz. So, I mean, but you were all over that. Um, I mean, I it will have been a late charge, but there must be something there, either from Cassidy or Schultz, that is is good. Like the fact that that's the way it was laid out is a is a good thing to me. Yes, that is a great point, Cade. I, I wanted to mention that. Like, I don't think this is a bad thing that he's listed there. The fact that Gundy, we talked about it last week, Gundy's saying this guy's going to play when right. asked about him. Does he ever say that about anybody? Like he tries <laughs> not to get super positive, and he was like, his second word out of his mouth was this guy's going to play. Yeah, his second no, sentence. He never does that, and especially not at this point in the season, about somebody that hasn't really been talked about that much. Totally with you. The other thing, too, the reason why I think there could be an or here, not only does not only is he performing well, I don't think it's that cast he's performing poorly, but I still think you're going to see them come out in 12 personnel sometimes. And also, if they're going 11 personnel tempo, these guys are going to have to rot- rotate out. Absolutely. How many times have we seen the Cowboy backs? There, there's always two rotating in and out. It's, it's not ever just kind of one guy taking completely over. It hasn't been in recent years. So I, I think that's another reason why you could see that. Or I think they're still going to do 12 personnel. And I think even if they don't do a lot of 12 personnel – because they're going to go tempo at times, you've got to rotate these bigger dudes out. I mean, these are 240-pound guys up there, kind of like we're going to see probably some rotating at the offensive line since they've got eight guys, Gundy says, that can play. So that's that's kind of another reason why I think you could see that. Yeah, phenomenal point. I, everything you said there is spot on. And Cade, with the wide receivers, you and I called this out when we talked about the Pokes Report depth chart last week. Langston Anderson was listed as a backup X. You and I... Thought he was more of a Z, and it comes out on the depth chart. It looks like he is the backup Z, along with Talon Shetran behind Braden Johnson. And it feels like 45 wins again. <laughs> uh, other than that, you know, Bryson Green behind Jaden Bray at the X. Rashad Owens at the slot was interesting. The offensive line ones and twos was exactly what we thought it was going to be. So, n- no, nothing really to hit on there. Um, Tanner Brown, you called this last week. He's the one kicker. Alex Hale's look, looking like he's going to be number two. I think they're both going to kick. I think one might do kickoffs, one might do field goals, extra points, or something like that. Don't you agree? I don't think it's going to be a straight-up Tanner Brown doing everything. No, I wouldn't think so, right? You got two big legs in that room. I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, and and thank you for saying I called it. I've been like a on a, a bloodhound on the trail on this <laughs> kicking uh, competition. So thank you for pointing that out. But no, I... I would not think that it would be just Tanner Brown doing everything. That would be kind of surprising. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do think it's awesome. I thought Tanner kicked really well last year after Hale went out. He was nails so, on the road. That's what matters. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's great a great sign that he has kind of kept that spot there even after Hale's coming back from the injury because Hale is a solid kicker as well. So it's nice to have two guys, especially if one were to go down with injury again. Yeah, hundred percent. And Dustin, I just want to clear up a comment I just made about feels like forty five winning again. I love the Pokes Report and I love their podcast. That was that was more of like a, a tongue in cheek comment and had nothing to do we, with a shot across brains. just a shot across the bow to a uh, podcast and website that I love. So we do have huge brains though, and we people need to know. And that's really what I was getting at. And now we're going to talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> The next hour and a half. Yeah, he, th- there's a, there was a couple of other just little notes you and I were texting about. Bryson Green switched jersey numbers. I don't know when that happened. It definitely wasn't when you and I did the <laughs> jersey comparison to last year on that episode, or we both missed it. But he's going to wear number nine. He previously wore nineteen, I believe. So he'll yeah. be number nine. So if you see number nine out there at receiver, that's not someone new. That's Bryson Green. I was impressed with your attention to detail to even see that because if you didn't point that out to me, I would have rolled out there and be like, who is nine on Thursday? <laughs> it, it, it was an odd kind of late switch, but I, I like nine. I I see, not a huge fan of 19. So yeah, absolutely a, a net win for Bryson Green early on in the year, big time. Also, something we mentioned in our Derek Mason preview pod whenever he was hired and we did the scheme breakdown that he likes to call his starters i think the starters of the goons and the second string is the goblins <laughs> he finally mentioned that in a comment i think this is the first time i've seen him say it since he's been in oklahoma state well what he was getting at in this comment is there's so many people in the d line that he had to add in another g word the gremlins so it'll be the goons, <laughs> goblins, and the Grim- gremlins coming out there on the D line, and there's going to be a lot of rotation there, which I love. That's and I love the names. That's pretty great. They're so similar that there's no way my small brain. And I know you just complimented it. <laughs> there's no way I could keep those three straight. I'm going to need some sort of T-shirt or or little snippet in the uh, in the uh, game day guide to know what's what. You know what. That's a great t-shirt idea if this defense is as good as we expect them to be. Goons, goblins, and gremlins. 100%. Let's look that out there. TM. I like that. Um, And I I think the only other thing I wanted to call out was just the Kendall Daniels reference that Gundy made. Like uh, He said he's like wild thing from Major League. (laughs) Yeah. Which is great. How'd that make you feel? Well, we... we literally talked about this on the last podcast, how he's going to be a guy that makes big plays, but probably gives up big plays, Yep. but it evens out to more of a net positive. And when we got asked the question in our Twitter questions about who is the most talked about player, I think that's why you and I landed on him Yeah, because of this. And Gundy basically just said hundred percent, that's what's going to happen. So I think it's an overall good thing, but be prepared. So what you're saying is Mike Gundy listens to this podcast. That's I what think you're so. We, okay. We did. I don't know if you saw right before the pod, we did get a like on our questions post from one Cole Birmingham. Oh, shout out. Cole, yeah. So better, Cole, sir. if you're listening, we love you and yeah. all offensive linemen. I didn't want that to sound creepy, but it kind of is. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll cut that for sure. Um, <laughs> but Cole, appreciate you, man. If you're listening, probably not probably got way better things to do but no that's all it was an accidental like (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, we'll take it. You know, he was probably trying to delete. Kate, All right. I (laughs) I don't have anything else on our depth chart. It and again, like you just mentioned, not trying to say we had it nailed down. There just wasn't a lot that was a huge surprise. There were some things we had different, but we were talking about these guys as being potential players that could crack the two deep. So there wasn't a ton of surprises besides the four or five that we called out. And also we've spent so much time on the depth chart. I didn't want to go into (laughs) intensely again here on this spot. Well, so, okay. Let no, let's circle back. I have a question on the depth chart. So does Jordan Reagan on the two deep over Cam Smith, just based on what we had talked about with Cam Smith, does that mean that in your mind, I think it, well, does that mean you have five at corner that you feel good about and not four? I think so. I think it's a good thing. I Kinda think like so we too. talked about the Jake Schultz, Braden Casty, or it's a, it's a great call out by you. The only other thing it could mean is maybe he's injured, which I, I hope that's not the case. I don't even want to throw that into existence, but we heard so many good things about Cam Smith. That was probably, and you called it out first, that was probably the biggest shock of the entire depth chart to me. Yeah, I, I, it stuck out like a sore thumb to me. But like my first reaction was, well, that means you have five, which is a great thing, um, especially when I think you know if you flash back to March when we started talking about this football roster, which we probably started in December. Let's get real, but um, it was corner that was really a barrier to me to to yeah. get over the top excited about this team. And now from what you've heard about Jabbar Muhammad being like potentially like the real deal and Corey black being better than you remember. And now you have a Jordan Reagan who cracks the depth chart. I I start feeling pretty good about this secondary, Um, especially if those two Jabbar and Corey stay healthy. You're really just breaking in Kendall Daniels. Yeah. And another thing I think, I know I forget, so I'm sure other people forget as well. DeMarco Jones is a redshirt junior right? by eligibility. right? He's been in the program for like five years. He's one of your backups. It's not that he's, it's not that he is a, he's inexperienced, but he has so much experience in this defensive scheme. And he's able to, I think, be a leader from what Tim Duffy has said in some of the OSU Max videos. And I think he's better than people think because he's so experienced from a practice standpoint. Yeah, I I think so too. And he had played, again, as you said, played a lot in special teams, made a big play recovering that fumble against Oklahoma last year, that punt down in the five-yard line. I'm excited to see what he can do. I just think there were some guys that were above him that – you're not you're not going to crack a Christian Holmes. You're and especially with some of the young talent and Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black. Like I can see how that buries you in the depth chart. Uh, but props to him for sticking around. Number one, I'm excited to see what he can do. I I, I like his frame. I think just in general, um, this defense. You know, everything we've heard is that they're going to be faster and more athletic. They may give up more. Um, but they're going to fly around. And uh, I think DeMarco Jones might be a great example of that. I think he's going to be one of those uber athletic players that just stay in the general vicinity and think good things will happen. Speaking of athletic, I did forget to mention, I did want to talk about kick return. I know we don't normally talk special teams, <laughs> but no Braylon Presley. So it's Brennan Presley, Dom, 
Jaden Nixon and JP. If Presley doesn't play, I think it's going to be Jaden and JP. If Presley does play, I think it's going to be Brennan Presley and JP. So I I don't I don't know if the kick return is really listed in one, two, three, four order, because I don't think there's any way Dom's going to be returning kicks the entire game and be the game where he's going to for sure be RB1. No, Braylon's laying down in the end zone. I'm already telling you. He's laying down in the end zone. Brennan's across the field. That's where he is on the depth Oh, chart. we're going to see him return kicks. I, I just think they didn't want to put too many true freshmen on the depth chart. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, and, and honestly, I can't wait to see what they pull out there. Like, that's something I'm excited to see. I don't think we'll see it game one, but game four in Waco, who knows? Yeah, I completely agree. So, hey, should we... Did we just get into it? Because we've got a lot of listener questions too. Should we get into the Central Michigan preview? Uh, I think we should. But before we do that, let's take a break and hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the Curse of Cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website i'm just a big fan of home field stuff and the quality is unbelievable so check them out at homefieldapparel.com and when you use our promo code feels 12 you actually will get a discount that's right feels 12 we'll get you 15 percent off your first order when you use our promo code feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com check them out right now and tell them that the feels like 45 podcast all right dustin welcome back i mean let's just get right into it i mean central michigan coming to town we're not going to talk about things that happened in previous times okay there's plenty of other places you can go for that commentary um but the thing i'll say about this central michigan team is on the surface i think they're pretty good i think they're returning they have lost a lot of key production at a lot of key positions but i think they're gonna be pretty good and so, you know, Dustin, I'll ask you just on the surface, what'd you think about this team as you looked at them? Yeah, you're right. This is a, this is a good Mac football team. They're going to have a shot at winning the Mac. They were nine and four last year. Jim McElwain is their coach, former Florida coach, former Colorado state coach. He's a good coach. They've got a solid defensive coordinator and Rob a key. They've got Bobby Petrino's brother his first year um, as offensive coordinator leading rusher last year and Lou Nichols, who we'll talk 100%. about more. So you're completely right. This is a good Mac football team. They're a good group of five team. Do I think they're a team that can beat Oklahoma state? No, but I do think that they're, <laughs> I do think that they're very talented. And Kate, one of the main reasons is what you just said. So I put out on Twitter, their offensive snaps from last season and the number of starts. And I, I'm going to do the same thing with the defense, but just to kind of hit on the offense, and you and I talked about this off the pod, their tackles have a combined, the guys that they are starting at tackle per their depth chart have a combined one start and a total 78 snaps. I mean, that's you and me getting out there. 
<laughs> and I'm not saying either of these guys are bad. D- Davis Heinzen and uh, Braden swart out, but and they're big dude. I mean, Braden is six seven, three hundred pounds. So they're big guys. I'm not saying they're poor players, but they lost Gadecki and Rainman. They're two tackles from last season who helped them have the leading rusher in the nation in Lou Nichols to the NFL. These are two NFL guys, and these are two extremely inexperienced tackles coming in. The interior looks a little bit better. You know, you've got 12 starts, 13 and 11, and their center, Jamez Kimbrough, is probably the best lineman on the team and one of their leaders. But, kid, where is the strength of this Oklahoma State defense? Yeah, I mean, it's you and I talked about this uh, just off-air it's the defensive line and specifically the edge and Leo yes. like that tackle. I told you this off air tackle is less ideal to be breaking in against Oklahoma state than a new quarterback. Like if you return two of your tackles and you're breaking in a new quarterback, you'd rather have that than what central Michigan has coming in. I think. No, I completely agree. It, you know, they had, they had one of the better offenses in the Mac. I think they were third best in total offense, but one of the big reasons is they had two NFL caliber tackles literally like these are two two of the best tackles in program history well you season. you look around that offense last year in khalil pimpleton those tackles i mean they they were dynamic and then you have lou nichols running for 1900 yards and daniel richardson not turning the ball over undersized quarterback but golly it's pretty easy when you can run behind an offensive line like that and then you have somebody who's athletic and and can break the game open like a Lou Nichols and a Khalil Pimpleton on the same roster. I just I think there's going to be a lot that Central Michigan and we'll go get into this further. But I just I just think they've got a lot that they're breaking in. And ultimately, like you should win a game like this in the trenches. And that's the way I see this one going. Again, we'll break it down further. But that's just there's there's a lot of uh, things leaning Oklahoma State there. I agree. And behind these guys, there's not a lot of snaps either. So if any of these guys were to go down, there's just not a ton of experience on this offensive line. I do think there's still going to be a solid unit and one of the better in the Mac because of Ferris Kimbrough and Powell Woods in the middle. But I just, I don't know how central Michigan can be comfortable coming into this first game with one combined start and 78 total snaps from 2021 from their two tackle spots going up against Brock Martin, Tyler Lacey, you know, Colin Oliver, Trace Ford. And that, that's just mentioning the guys on the outside, you know, Cody Walshide, Nathan Latou, not even mentioning Sione C and those guys. So I, I just think, I think this is going to be one of the key areas of the game, the battle between Oklahoma state's defensive line and those two tackles. And even if they're able to get some good push in the interior, because Central Michigan does run some wide zone stuff and things like an inside zone, I don't think they're going to be able to stop Oklahoma State's overall defensive line from making some plays and really just causing havoc, especially on passing plays. So well, I think it'll come down to this offensive line versus defensive line. And in a matchup like this where they do run a lot of wide zone, a lot of split zone, like that soundness in the gap has to be there and it doesn't it take off a little bit of pressure from Xavier Benson and Mason Cobb where you know the jitters are going to be there I mean if this was a Central Michigan team coming in with their two starting tackles like from last year 
I'd feel a little differently about this overall matchup because then you'd be talking about strength on potential weakness, like in that regard. But I, I just think Oklahoma State's defensive line has has way too much overwhelming power uh, against that Central Michigan offensive line. And ultimately, it allows Xavier Benson and Mason Cobb to run freely. Obviously, they need to be sound. They need to be in the right place. But I, I think Oklahoma State can get a push with three and four when they need to. Um, and, and, and a lot of these plays from central Michigan, you know, when they're passing the ball, they're going play action, slow developing. It's just not a great recipe against a team like this. That's so dominant in the trenches, which if you look back to 2016, they were not Oklahoma state was not dominant on the defensive line. Now they are. I think this just is a whole different look and feel to this game. Yeah, 100%. And and you mentioned a little bit about scheme there. So what Central Michigan, Paul Petrino, Jim McElwain like to do is run out of a lot and of a, a lot of 11 and 12 personnel, which I could see that, which they're going to try to use that and try to use those tight ends to help out these tackles. But, you know, even even with the tight ends, they've got Joel Wilson, who is very very talented pass catching tight end who also is a really good blocker. But there's not a ton of experience behind him either. They lost one of their main tight ends from last year, I believe, Buckouts or something with a B, some crazy last name. I didn't have it written down, but they they still have Wilson coming back. But behind him, there's not a ton of experience. So I believe they'll go eleven and twelve a lot. But I don't know how much it's really going to help when it's only really Wilson. And they want to split Wilson out. They, they want to get him to, involved in the passing game, just like they like to do with Nichols. And they want to throw short to intermediate stuff. And like you mentioned, the deep play action, they will do some RPO. It seemed to be a lot more kind of pre-snap field read stuff that we've seen Spencer Sanders do. It's not, it's not a lot of kind of that inside zone pull, throw the slant, but they will do some of that. It just seemed to be more true play action and some kind of pre-snap stuff. But that that's what they like to do. They like to go 11 and 12. Gundy's talked about it. They kind of play a smash mouth pro style power spread, which we've heard Oklahoma State be labeled as in recent years. And maybe that's why I liked watching them. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> when they run the ball with the effectiveness they did, I mean, Lou, Lou, New, Lou Nichols, Lou Williams, Lou Nichols ran over uh, <laughs> over 100 yards six of the last seven games last year. I mean, and that's what Mike Gundy loves to do. So when you draw the comparison between what Central Michigan does and what Oklahoma State is compared to being like at times, that's not shocking considering that Oklahoma State wants to run the ball first and they want to run it often. And so I love what you just said there. Yeah, and Cade, we've we've brought him up a couple of times. So let's let's dive a little bit farther into Lou Nichols. Rushed for over eighteen hundred yards last year, led the nation. McElwain loves to operate out of the pistol, which will have the quarterback in kind of a short shotgun and Nichols right behind him. That creates, you know, those downhill running lanes that you can get out of those one back sets. And if you have those two tight ends out there with the single back, it really turns into a physical power running game, even, even without a full back out there. Nichols, what he's 5'11, 220, and he can run with power over people like we just talked about but he's also extremely shifty there were several plays in both the washington state game i watched and the northern illinois game where he should have been stopped 
for a yep. loss for sure no gain and he still got three or four yards out of it i know it was almost through the third quarter i believe of the washington state game and he hadn't even been tackled for a loss of yards yet <laughs> so he's just an all-around really talented running back i and the only reason I wanted to hit on that a little bit harder is because I gave a lot of credit to those two tackles last season and the interior of that Central Michigan offensive line. But Nichols did a lot of it on his own as well. Well, and that's one of the things that jumps out to me about him is his vision is next level. I mean, some of the cuts he makes, uh, it's it's like it's not there and then he's there. And I, I just, to me, if there's an attribute that jumps off the page to me, he has like Justice Hill like vision. Like he's creating holes that didn't look like they were there. Um, and that jumps out. And I would say his footwork is exceptional. So I, I don't know where Central Michigan plucked him out of, but I mean, he's he's somebody that I think Oklahoma State would have loved to have. I mean, anybody in the country now that you know what that what Central Michigan has would love to have him. But I mean, he's he's a freak. I I, I really enjoy watching him play. I just uh, I hope he goes under a hundred yards because that's what I picked in Prize Picks, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. <laughs> and it's not it's not like he you know just got good. I believe in twenty twenty he ran for right. over five hundred yards in just six games. So he's an extremely, extremely talented back. We mentioned it a little bit ago, a few minutes ago, that they like to throw the ball to him. 40 receptions for 338 yards and two touchdowns last year. It's not just a screen pass. Something Oklahoma State's going to need to watch out for. They like to go four verts and kind of run him out into the middle of the field. We have saw several teams try to do that to Oklahoma State last year, and Devin Harper was all over it. Will Xavier Vincent and Mason Cobb, Lamont Bishop, Nick Martin be able to do that? Will they have, you know, kind of the overall vision and know how to realize that that may come out of the backfield and kind of a little delayed route? Also saw them throw the wheel route to him. They want to throw this guy the football and they will. And I believe they'll go to it often against Oklahoma state. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, he, it's just so much you can say about him, but I mean, it, he, like his versatility and I love the call out that you just made about what Notre Dame tried to do to Oklahoma state and, and found success with in that zero blitz, like everybody's out and, and dump it off to him. I, I can see Oklahoma state getting in the situation like that, this go round with Lou Nichols, but you just don't know what Derek Mason's going to do. Like, is he going to be that aggressive? And that's what makes this so fun is it's like, we can dissect this till we're blue in the face, but I, I just I like the matchup here, um, even with everything we just talked about with Lou Nichols. I still think Oklahoma State is in a good spot here. Yeah, I, I think, and Kate, I think what I do, and I think this will also segue us into the next skill position. I can see Oklahoma State, we saw them do it multiple times last season against teams and just kind of randomly throughout the game against other teams. I think you're going to see Daniels and Taylor playing eight or nine yards off the line of scrimmage. I wouldn't expect a super deep safety. I think they are going to try to force Central Michigan to pass the football. I do not think they're going to let Lou Nichols beat them. And the way you do that is kind of getting those safeties involved in the running game. And I think Thomas Harper is going to have to have a good game as well. I think we may even see some corner blitzes off the edge. I do not think they are going to let this team beat them on the ground. Yeah, I... I would agree with that. I would think that Lou Nichols is going to be their bread and butter, at least going to try to be until Oklahoma State says no more. 
Um, I, I love that. I think they burned a lot of teams that took that same approach, but I don't think any of them had the upfront ability, like even close that Oklahoma State did. The only comparable team I would say is just in LSU, and and LSU really kind of handled them. And Lou Nichols didn't run for a hundred yards in that game. Um, I would think that they take the approach you said a hundred percent. And Kate, the reason why I think they're going to be able to do that because I think they're going to be able to play straight up man on these wide receivers, or, or I think that's what Oklahoma State thinks they're going to do because I talked about it yesterday in the Twitter thread. You mentioned his name earlier. We've seen him on hard knocks. Khalil Pimpleton, their leading receiver from last year. Also, Ja'Cory Sullivan, their second leading receiver, who in the Northern Illinois, uh, Northern Illinois game, I found out those two had played football together since fourth grade, which was kind of crazy. That is crazy. Those two are gone. Then the next three receivers, Dallas Dixon, who's still on the team, Joel Wilson, who we talked about the tight end, Lou Nichols, they don't have another guy returning that even had over, I think, 16 catches. So it's Dallas, Dallas Dixon, the tight end, the running back, and everybody else is new. They do have a Maryland transfer in Carlos. I believe it's Carrier. But outside of him, the, the guy they're rolling out there as their third starting receiver, Jalen Magogi, one start, 100 snaps last year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, all that to say, I think Derek Mason and Oklahoma State's defensive game plan is going to be to man up these receivers, try to use as little resources as possible from the defensive backfield, and allocate everybody else to the run game. At least I think they're going to try to do that early. I could be way off, but that – that that kind of seems like where this is headed. It would be really surprising if it was anything resembling and allowing them to dink and dunk it down the field, right? Like, I do not see that. Because that's what they want to do. Right, That's 100%. what Richardson and McIlwain want to do. 100%. And I I think that's why I, I see it the way you see it. Oklahoma State saying, no, you can't do that. You're going to have to throw the ball, and you're going to have to be aggressive throwing the ball. I mean, and then you'd look back to what we said about Jabbar Muhammad off season, all offseason, and you start to feel pretty good about this game if Oklahoma State can do what we said and do it well. And I think Thomas Harper should really be able to hold his own, whether that's going up against Joel Wilson, he needs to he needs to, you know, man up and get physical there. Or if he goes up against one of these central Michigan slot receivers, these guys are super inexperienced. That's where that's where I believe Magagi is, if I'm saying that right. They have a lot of weird names on this Central Michigan team, by the way. <laughs> but I believe that's where he's going to play because I think Dixon and Carrier are going to be on the outsides. And behind Jalen Magagi, there's not much experience on at the slot at all. So I, I don't expect them to go there. I expect them to throw to Dixon, who's very talented, third-team All-Mac last year, Wilson, and then get Nichols involved. But outside of that, Oklahoma State should be able to shut them down. And if there is a wide receiver that goes off for Central Michigan that's not one of the names I mentioned, I'm going to be surprised and disappointed in this defense. Yeah, I I, I think I agree, Dustin. I mean, I, I you've kind of convinced me in the game plan, um, and I really start to feel better about the way Oklahoma State's defense matches up here. I mean, I, I, I feel better about it having heard you talk about it. There's just... I'm probably downplaying Dixon. He's very talented. I, Derek Mason even mentioned him by name, I believe, in in uh, his little pregame interview that happened. I believe I saw that on Pistols Firing. But outside of that, the Maryland transfer, he's a big dude. 
he's talented, but he only started five games at Maryland, 390 snaps. So not a super experienced guy. And then, like I said, they don't really return anybody at the slot. So Pimpleton and Sullivan, I know in both the games I watched from last season, yeah, they're they the threw guys. to them almost every play. Yeah, <laughs> it's they're Dixon, them. Nixon. Yeah, Dixon and Wilson were mixed in, but it was mainly Pimpleton and uh, Sullivan. They had 105 and 78 targets. Outside of them, Dallas Dixon had 73. And like I said, I think the Shoot. next closest receiver had 28. Wow. Well, I, again, I just... I mean, I, I don't really even have anything to add. You know, I was thinking back to 2016. I mean, the guy that Central Michigan had in that game outside of Cooper Rush is Tyler Conklin, who's a 600-yard receiver for the Vikings. They don't have a guy running around like that like, in this game, too. Like, they're replacing just a lot. And again, I think they want to have that big tight end that they don't have, too. Yeah, and I, I do like Joel Wilson a lot. He He's a really solid player. I don't know if he's as good as Conklin, like like you just mentioned. So I, I just don't I don't know how much production they're going to get out of the passing game and who will be throwing the ball. We haven't really talked about him. We mentioned his name, Daniel Richardson. I, I think he's actually a pretty good quarterback. It's just I, I don't know if he's going to be the guy that can win you the game with what he has kind of around him right now besides Lou Nichols and Joel Wilson and Dallas Dixon. I don't think he has enough weapons. So his – he started four games as a true freshman, got injured, lost the job last year to Washington transfer Jacob Sermon. Then he took back over the job in that LSU game that you talked about. And actually had a really good rest of the season. He's small, 5'10-ish, but he's a he's a pocket passer. He's athletic, but he's not going to run. He wants, when he gets out of the pocket, he looks to try to throw before he tries to scramble. And he will throw it away sometimes before scrambling, not super fast, but you know, 24 touchdowns to six interceptions last year. Something that I think the Oklahoma state defensive line will really want to do in this game is get their hands up. I saw the Washington state defensive line knock down a few balls just because he's a shorter guy and doesn't have a huge over the top release. He'll sometimes kind of three quarter it. And if you can get your hands up and knock some of these down, you could cause an interception, obviously going to be an incomplete, incomplete pass, but I, I don't think – I think they may try to pressure him. He he moves well in the pocket. He just doesn't have that super burst to get away from some of these really athletic pass rushers Oklahoma State has. And if they're able to bat a couple of these balls around and you know maybe force an interception or two, that would be awesome. Yeah, that was actually a note I had too, Dustin. I mean, his size you know jumps off the page. He is not a big guy. And it jumps off the film too. Just not a big guy. And and even when he gets a little sidearm with that release, I I had the exact same thought. You know that that could turn into a field day for Oklahoma State. And and I mean Tyler Lacey at six four, Colin Oliver is six three. I mean just a long defensive line and athletic. And he doesn't have, as you said, the escapability. He has good mobility, but he's not escaping the run. He's escaping the throw. Um, it's just a, an interesting recipe and at his size, um, I, I think that Oklahoma state can really cause some issues for him, especially in the back end of the secondary that we've already heard is so athletic. Um, I just, it, it could be a long day for him. Um, I, I think it all kind of shapes up to be that. Yeah. And he's a guy though, I, I mentioned six interceptions. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes. He's experienced. He reads the field really well. 
but I think this Oklahoma State defense can force him into mistakes, kind of what you just alluded to. And it, I, we kind of covered all the position groups, but I, on the running backs, I did want to mention Kobe Lewis, who Central Michigan had. He was injured last year, but he was very talented. Before that, he was kind of ahead of Lou Nichols when Lou Nichols was just a freshman. He transferred this offseason kind of late, and he was going to, I think in most of the previews you read, I believe it's even in uh, Phil Steele's, I think I saw it in another one, they all thought Kobe Lewis was going to be on this team. So the one-two punch of Lewis and Nichols was going to make this Central Michigan backfield one of the best in the country, not just in the MAC. Yeah. And now they've got to go with guys like Mar- Marion Lukes, who only rushed the ball 22 times last year, and Miles Bailey, who only rushed it 30 times last year. So they lost a lot with Kobe Lewis transferring, and I think it's being a little bit downplayed because I don't know if everybody kind of knew that if they're basing it off of these preview articles because it happened kind of late. Yeah, no, 100%. The one thing I did write down is I still think this is a – this is easily the best backfield in the back with Richardson and, and Nichols, but Kobe black, as you said, was going to be that next level kind of uh, it would elevate them to the next level. So I love what you said there. I still think Richardson and Nichols is they're dynamic enough. They're one of the best in the Mac. Yeah. And Lewis, like he's a talented player. He, I think he transferred to Purdue. So he transferred power five, not saying Purdue's a powerhouse, but it, this guy was really good, and I, I think it's a big loss to their to their running back room overall. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, Dustin, do we have anything else on the offensive side of the ball? No, I, I'm good moving to the defense if you are. Um, I, I mentioned his name at the top of the preview, Rob Key. He's been with McElwain the entire time. McElwain's been at Central Michigan, so four years there. He wants to run a full three. If you, if you search Rob Key. You'll see he's done several coaching clinics. I believe he has a book out there on his 4-3 defense and some of the blitz packages that go along with that. And their depth chart is written like it's a 4-3. There's three linebackers. But I think if Oklahoma State starts to go 11 and some 10 personnel, which I know you and I expect them to do more of this year, they will take that linebacker out and put a nickel out there. They're not going to try to guard Oklahoma State's defenders with three linebackers. And they went with a nickel the entire Washington State bowl game. So it's I, I've seen some people say it's a 4-2-5. It's a 4-3, but it's probably going to look like a 4-2-5 against Oklahoma State for a majority of the game. And they were a defense, Cade, that last year was able to get a lot of pressure, a lot of sacks, a lot of tackles for loss. They were really good against the run. It was the pass game that really hurt them. But, but overall, this was not a bad defensive unit last year. Yeah, I mean, they... They lose a lot. This was not a bad defensive unit last year. You know, looking at this year's team, though, the thin up front, right? They they lose a lot of production on that defensive line. And then when you look at the secondary, returning two safeties, which is a great anchor spot for them in the secondary, breaking in two new corners, though. And we'll get into all these position groups. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if Oklahoma State can have a field day. I, d- I don't expect them to really open it up too much against Central Michigan, just knowing what we know about early Oklahoma State games. But I, I think this is this is another side of the ball where you start to really dissect some of these key matchups and you think, okay, who's going to guard who? Because I, I don't see it. Yeah, and 
just to kind of move through since we we've talked about guys that they've lost and you mentioned kind of being thin on the defensive line. So where they're thin is that defensive end spot. They're going to go with Michael Heldman at one defensive end, zero starts in 2021, only 27 snaps. And Thomas in, in Coombe, I think is how you say it one start, but he did play 369 snaps. And what they lost there is first team all Mac defensive end, Troy Hairston and Amir Sadiq who were two of the better defensive ends in the Mac were, I think Harrison was their second highest graded defensive player. And Sadiq was their seventh highest on PFF. So it's not like they're just losing two random defensive ends. These were two of the better players on their defense. And they're going out there on one end with a guy who's only played 27 snaps in 2021. So that's, that's the big losses there. On the interior, Jacques Bristol, he started all 13 games last year, 599 snaps. And then Roby Stewart was injured last year, but he started every game in 2020. So the interior of the defensive line, who were part of this really talented rush defense, they return, but the edges aren't there in game. <laughs> kind of similar question I yeah. asked you with the, with, the, <laughs> with the rest of the preview. Where's Oklahoma State's weakness on the offensive line? I, I'm gonna go or question at, marks. Yeah, I'm gonna go with right tackle. <laughs> yeah, and and their inexperience is at these defensive end spots. And and Coombe is a really talented player. I, I'm not saying he's bad. Just they would have fared a lot better, I think, with Harrison and Sadiq. Sadiq. So it's it's another. I think this is going to be another tale of the game, which we all knew going into this. Oklahoma State's offensive line, defensive line. They're going to be the most talked about units probably in every game, but this one just matches up, I think, really well for Oklahoma State on both sides. Yeah, I think I agree. And again, reverting back to what we know about Mike Gundy wanting to run the football in some of these games, go a little bit vanilla. Again, a lot of people use that like <laughs> loosely. I don't think Mike Gundy just shuts the playbook, but I, I do think there are some plays that are absolutely off limits. And for a game like this, they're going to want to run the ball a lot. Um, and I don't know if they'll be able to do it with um, ultimate success all game, but the matchup there is appealing on, on the yeah. surface. Yeah. And at the linebacker spot as well, they lose, they lose Troy Brown, who was really talented. They, you, they lose, uh, I believe it's Douglas is the other linebacker that they lost. So yeah, George Douglas, so these are guys that left and transferred. Troy Brown transferred to Ole Miss. George Douglas transferred to SMU. Yeah, it, Troy Harrison is with the Houston Texans right now, unless he got cut recently. These were really talented players they're losing. So it's not just the experience. It's that these guys are really good. I do like in the bowl game, Kyle Moretti got the start in the bowl game, and he'll be one of the starting linebackers, number 22, he was all over the field Yeah, he in was. the bowl game against Washington State. Kind of reminded me of a mini Malcolm Rodriguez. He looked a little bit smaller, but he I, – I don't know if he is. I'm sure he's around like 220, 230, but he's really talented. But, you know, the, these linebackers, Justin Whiteside, two starts. Kyle Moretti, one start. Nick Aspie, zero. Yeah. And, and Whiteside and Moretti got a lot of snaps in the 300s, you know, which is similar to kind of a – Corey Black, Jabbar Muhammad situation for Oklahoma State where they didn't get a lot of starts but got around that 300, 200 snap range. But it's still an experience, and people are questioning Oklahoma State's corners. So, it's I mean, you're going to have to question these guys that just don't have any starts. And then their third linebacker has only played one snap, and it was on special teams. 
Yeah. Well, and, and not to completely revert back to the conversation about the defensive line, but it's, it's really kind of a conversation about the importance this central Michigan front seven plays in this game against this quarterback in Spencer Sanders. Like he, we're not just talking like run defense here, like with a mobile quarterback, like him experience at defensive end is very important to contain the quarterback and not let him get free. So when you start talking about defensive end, you start, I think immediately start thinking, okay, what pressure can they put on the quarterback and can they hold the run? But with Spencer Sanders, it's a whole different variable that these guys may not have seen much of. And then you look to the linebacker level and it's a little bit of the same. You could potentially get them looking and, and potentially fall asleep. Um, maybe a good matchup for Oklahoma state in that regard. Yeah. I, that, those are great points bringing up Spencer Sanders to kind of go with some of that inexperience at defensive end. And it's just, there's just not a lot of returning starts on the central Michigan defense. And, you know, who knows the, these other guys could be really talented players as well. You know, I just talked about all these guys at central Michigan had going to the NFL, but it, I mean, from what from what we've seen, I I just think this inexperience, especially in this first game against a team like Oklahoma State, is going to be a huge factor. And you know, we mentioned the secondary a little bit, but they've got Dante Kent coming back at one cornerback spot, who is probably one of the better players on the yep. defense. He's got 13 starts, 840 snaps. On the other side, I think it's Roland Sturkey. He's got nine starts, 417 snaps, but the two safeties, Trey Jones and Jaden Davis, one start, 318 snaps in 2021. Jaden Davis, he's he didn't play at all in 2021. I believe he's a true sophomore, didn't play at all. I'm not sure who they're going to rotate in at the nickel spot. I'm assuming it would be one of these other safeties, like Caleb Spann or the Javian Stepney. I've heard some good things about him, but that's two redshirt freshmen. I just named that could come in at nickel when that linebacker comes off the field. So just not very much experience. And, you know, I, I was impressed with Kent. I, I don't, I think Sturkey is good. I don't think he's amazing. I think he's somebody Oklahoma state and Spencer Sanders may be able to pick on out of the two. And that's just, it's just not a lot of experience back there or really anywhere on the central Michigan defense. I know. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, I'm looking for it and I'm just not finding it. Um, it bodes well for Oklahoma State, which is the whole reason we're here. But like you know, you you brought up Dante Kent. You know, uh, fourth team Mac was a, a freshman All American according to the Football Writers Association. So a good player there, somebody to keep an eye on. Wonder where he's going to float in the secondary. Is he going to cover up that Z spot? I would assume so, uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, and yeah, again, back to your point about the experience. Wherever there is experience, the guy behind them is very young. So they're loading in a lot of talent that just hasn't seen a lot. And I think against a veteran Oklahoma State offense, and and quite frankly, a veteran Oklahoma State like receiving core and offensive line. I just, I don't know, man. I really don't know. Yeah, and I know I brought it up a little bit ago, but it's not like these guys were graduating and running out of eligibility. They're transferring because they were really, really good. Yeah, players. they got they I got mean, poached. Yeah, Devonnie Reed at South Carolina. I mentioned the other guys: Ole Miss, SMU, Charlotte. Three guys I mentioned that are in the NFL. It's just it, they lost a lot of really good players. But I, I think 
I think one thing too that they were really good at last year, or at least in the games that I watched, is getting pressure with just four. I mentioned Rob Key's blitz packages, but he used them timely. I saw them, especially against Northern Illinois, they were able to get a lot of pressure with just four guys. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against this Oklahoma State offensive line. I, I know there's some questions on the offensive line, but when you've got, you know, some help from guys like Dominic Richardson, DeAndre Jackson, both Cowboy backs and Schultz and Braden Cassidy, if Spencer Sanders gets time, we've heard Mike Gundy, you know, just kind of reiterate this over and over again last season. When he has time, he's able to slice defenses apart. And we've yep. seen it. We saw it last year. And I just don't know. I think the only way Central Michigan is going to be able to get pressure is to blitz. And I do like a key's blitz packages, but if they do that, they're going to get beat somewhere else. They're going to get beat with the tempo. They're going to get beat with the Brennan Presley, John Paul Richardson, quick passing game. I just, I don't think there's enough there for the central Michigan defense to completely slow down the Cowboys. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the elephant in the room here is does Oklahoma state, who shoots themselves in the foot first? Is it Central Michigan or is it that Oklahoma State offense and and Spencer Sanders, who, you know, you and I love him to death, but has been prone to do this, especially early in the year. Think back to Tulsa last season, that pick six at a very inopportune time. Not saying that's going to happen. It's just one of those variables that you have to factor in early in the year here. But I'm with you. I, I do think Oklahoma State can get what they need i don't know if they'll be able to get what they want but i think they're going to be able to get what they need as they work out some of the kinks and you know the biggest question for me is is who's going to get the bulk of the carries for that oklahoma state offense uh, i we know it's going to be dominic richardson but how many is really my question is he going to get 20 is he going to get 15 i don't know um but i think that's really you know outside of everything else i i think that's one of the reasons i think that this game um you know and Dustin, I don't know if we're quite ready to get to predictions, but I, I think we are. Like, I look at this and I, I see Oklahoma State at like a 34 to 10, 34 to 13. I, I don't know if Oklahoma State looks over the top potent on offense, but I think they get what they need. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm going to go. So the spread is 21 is 21. Oh, and that under. would be them covering. So. Over underline is 59 and a half. Hit, I think I'm going to take Oklahoma State 41, Central Michigan 17, which will be right under, and Oklahoma State will be covering because even though I think the Central Michigan team is going to be really good in the MAC again this year, I just think they lost too much. And I think Oklahoma State is going to be really good. You know, we both picked over nine wins. So even though it's the first game, I think they're going to come out and try to make a statement against Central Michigan. Central Michigan plays a lot of man coverage, a lot of cover mm. one. I think you'll see Oklahoma State use some motion from their wide receivers, Braden Johnson, Presley, John Paul Richardson, try to get some favorable looks. You know, we've seen that kind of shift one receiver from one side of the field to the other. And Sanders throws him that out route, depending on where the defender's lined up, because he's going to have to chase him all the way over to the other side of the field. He can have that kind of outside pass game. I think we see that. I think we see mesh, some stuff where they kind of get some legal ish picks on the <laughs> defenders, get them open. And like you mentioned, I think they try to go to the run game early and often and really dominate the line of scrimmage against this, you know, central Michigan defensive line. That was good a season ago. 
but has lost some pieces. And I think Oklahoma City is going to try to assert their dominance and get that run game going early. Also, think Sanders will take some shots. We did see, I did see against Washington State. It looked like it looked like Central Michigan was in some quarters in some cover six, which is kind of a combo of cover four and cover two. But both of those defenses kind of turn into like a match man, depending on, you know, if multiple receivers are going vertical. So it's going to look like a lot of man. And we've seen Spencer Sanders do well against man defenses on the offense on central Michigan's offense. They do a lot of funky stuff in the running game. I said, they're mainly a inside zone kind of wide zone running team. They do a lot of gap scheme scheme stuff. I put a bunch of videos out there. They like to pull Kimbrough which you don't see a ton of teams pull their center as often as Central Michigan likes to do. They'll do that. They'll do a lot of counter stuff. I saw some center H-back or tight end counter. They'll do buck sweep where both the guards are pulling. They even did toss sweep. Not going to be much quarterback game. It's going to be Nichols, and they're going to try to go to him early and often. And Oklahoma State, I think I mentioned it already. I think they're going to put a lot of guys in the box and force Richardson to beat them on the outsides beat Holmes and Muhammad. And I don't know if he's going to be able to. Well, I love, I love everything you said there, Dustin. One of the reasons that I think that I think Oklahoma state really keeps this game in control is their ability to limit Lou Nichols. Um, I, I, you know, again, we mentioned price picks earlier. They've got him at the over under 99 and a half rushing yards. I'm to the point where I just, I'm taking the under in that regard, because I think that Oklahoma state is going to do exactly what you just said and, and beat and dare Daniel Richardson to beat them over the top. And, and I don't trust him to be able to do that. And I trust Oklahoma state's front seven uh, and ultimately their ability to get the safeties involved in the run game uh, to handle, uh, you know, Lou Nichols, who I think is who they want to drive the offense. And if he can't, then it's going to be a huge challenge. And I, I really expect the Oklahoma State defense to be the talk of this game. I think the offense is going to look as as good as expected in an early game like this. Again, knowing all these tendencies, but I really think Oklahoma State's defense is going to come out of this game kind of being being raved about as, as the, whoa, maybe didn't see that coming. I think that's a great call. And I, I do like your point in your prediction about maybe the offense not being – as full power as you know kind of hitting on all cylinders yeah like i'm not expecting notre dame again and yeah but i do think the defense is going to play well to your point so it i could see it being a little bit closer i could see central michigan covering i just wanted to and you know i'm terrible at predictions but i wanted to go hard on oklahoma state because <laughs> we've been so positive all season i wasn't going to give a, a like oh yeah 14 to 10 prediction so i think both of us made basically we both think Oklahoma state's going to dominate this game. Yeah. I, and, and, and they should, right. I mean, we, I put Oklahoma state in the playoff like last week. So yeah, they should dominate this game. They should be the more physical football team. I'll say this in watching central Michigan. I mean, against Washington state, they were the more physical football team. So I don't think Oklahoma state is getting they're they're not going to roll over. They're going to get a football team that wants to come off and hit you. Mike Gundy talked about it uh, on one of the radio shows that he's done recently or podcast. I can't remember what it was, but talked about what Central Michigan wants to do, and, and they want to be the more physical football team. But what does Mike Gundy preach all the time? Physicality. So I I don't think discipline Central and Michigan, toughness. Discipline and toughness. I don't <laughs> think they come in 
and that Central Michigan is the tougher football team on on Thursday. I, I think Oklahoma State gets it done really kind of on that on that being the backbone. Yeah, it's it's tough for you know a group of five team going up against a, a really talented power five team to come in with this style of offense, this eleven and twelve power spread kind of trying to ram it down your throats because if Oklahoma State's able to score two touchdowns in the first quarter and Central Michigan has to start throwing to catch up, I think that's exactly what Oklahoma State wants to happen. And then it could be a real long day for the Chippewas. Yeah, yeah 100%. I mean, Dustin, any final thoughts on Central Michigan? I mean, it feels good to get this first one under our belts. Yeah, and I, I really feel like we were being really negative about Central Michigan. I do think they're a good football team. I think they're going to compete for too. the MAC title. I think it's a surefire bowl team. I'm just still really high on this Oklahoma State team. And I think this matchup bodes well for Oklahoma State with all the reasons we mentioned. Yeah, I I, I agree 100%. I, I, I think Oklahoma State's talent offensively and defensively should shine in this game. Again, not talking about what happened in 2016 at the end of that game, but I mean, Oklahoma State couldn't block air in that game. They couldn't get a pass <laughs> rush on, on Central Michigan. Both things I expect to look a whole lot different from this game. Uh, from then to to Thursday, I, I think Oklahoma State should be okay here. Um, but again, that's not really dog in Central Michigan. It's just like I think Oklahoma State's on better footing. I, I think this is a a good football program that should take care of business against a Central Michigan. Yeah, that's that was perfect. I have well, nothing else. Speaking of perfect. I hope these picks are perfect. Dustin, I want to do this with you real quick. We've got a new sponsor on the Feels Like 45 podcast called Prize Picks. It is the free, or I'm sorry, it is not free. It is certainly not free, but it is the easy. <laughs> this legal is free. Way. This ad we're giving this to you. This ad is free to you, the listener, uh, but it is the easy legal way to play daily fantasy. Um, and this is really cool, Dustin. I actually played it this weekend. All of the users that deposit, so all of our listeners, that use our promo code feels 12 will receive a 100% match on their deposit up to a hundred dollars. And so I did this this weekend, uh, did a little two, two player parlay on Casey Thompson and Nikosi Perry at Florida Atlantic going over their passing yard total. And I hit on both. Uh, and so got a little, got a little coin in my pocket for bouncing around nice. Wichita. Thanks to uh prize picks, the sponsor, but I wanted to play a little game with you real quick. I mean, I've got here Spencer Sanders line at over under 254 and a half passing yards over or under. I think he's going to go right over, right over. I see. I have him right under. I just think they're going to try to run the ball a lot. I think they're going to try to maybe even engage him in the running game more than they used to early on. But so you're, you're not in love with the line. Like you could see it going either way. I think so. I, I do. I do like what, what you just said, though, I, I I don't think that's a bad take or anything. I th- I think they might just they might throw the ball around a little bit if they, if they they're might able to run it. Hundred percent. Okay, two two more here, and this is Central Michigan. Lou Nichols over under ninety nine and a half rushing yards. Under. Daniel Richardson over under one hundred ninety four and a half passing yards. Oh. What what's your call on that one? I have him under as well. 
I think I could see that. I mean, I only have Central Michigan scoring 17 points, so I guess I got to go on. Yeah, that's that's my thing. I think Oklahoma State's going to get off the field quite a bit. But anyway, Dustin, I wanted to play that quick game with you again. Go to Prize Picks. Use our promo code FEELS12 for a 100% match on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, And let us know how you do. Tag us uh, on Twitter. It'll be, f- it'll be fun. And uh, whatever you do, maybe don't follow my parlays because uh, I'm a historically <laughs> bad prop better. So, um, Dustin, one other thing I wanted to do before we get going, I mean, we talked about him last week, is, is to give a shout out to Price Buckley, who's joining us uh, for part of, you know, I think he joined us late last year in football season, joining us again for another go around the sun in this football season. And you can still reach price at four, six, nine, seven, five, seven, zero, two, nine, zero, or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash price hyphen Buckley. And that's spelled B U C K L E Y and price. We thank you for your support of the feels like 45 podcast. Uh, and again, call him for any of your, uh, financial and personal questions, Dustin. I mean, let's get right into it. It's it's maybe right. We're at we're at questions, so it's our favorite part of the show, and we actually have a couple of listener questions and one from a new listener, maybe not new listener, but definitely a new question asker in Trevor Taylor, and it's titled "Offensive Optimism." Let's hear it. Hey guys, T Nasty here. Uh, don't you think we're being a little over optimistic? on the offensive side of the ball this offseason. I mean, you look back at how we've started the last couple of years on offense under Casey Dunn. Um, it's very slow starting. So I, I love the hype, but I think uh, we should prepare ourselves for not as many points as we'd like to see again this year. Um, love to get your thoughts. Thanks. Well, T, T Nasty coming right in and telling us we're wrong. <laughs> No, I mean, Dustin, didn't we kind of just like maybe pull back on that a little bit? We we talked about that. I I I don't think it's a, you know, to your point, T nasty. I don't think it's a indictment on the offense. I just expect Oklahoma State to be a little bit, you know, boiled down on on Thursday. So and I think they'll I think they'll turn it on in Waco. Yeah, I think I think they could definitely be conservative. I mean, I mean, I even mentioned that your call on that was was you know a solid call i i think what's gonna happen what may happen in central michigan is they may hit on a lot of big plays northern illinois and washington state were able to do that and i to t nasty's point and thank you for the question (laughs) I, i think that could still mean maybe the offense wasn't firing on all cylinders but they could still get to you know that 35 40 point range that we threw out because they're hitting on some big plays hit a couple field goals, maybe a defensive touchdown. So I, I do think that's a great call by him. Um, I can definitely see that. I do I do think they're going to hit on some big plays, though. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, and actually, as we were talking about it, I mean, I, I think, as you mentioned, they're going to go a lot of cover one, a lot of man up on the receivers. I mean, let Jaden Bray and Braden Johnson eat. I mean, it, it, may, it may be a game like that with a couple of big chunk scoring plays uh, and then and then you know, boil things down and get out with a win. Wouldn't shock me yeah. at all. Yeah, but I, it's a great call out because we have been, you know, hooking up IVs with Orange Kool Aid to us these past couple of podcasts. So oh, I just, it's nice to be it's nice to be taken down a notch. Thank you, T Nasty. I mean, my wife is getting mine ready, so uh, at any point here, she may <laughs> walk in with it. So don't think we're not still piping it in. All right, here's another one from front of the pod, Ryan Winkle. What's up, dudes? I have some over-unders for Thursday's game. So, number one, 
over under 29 and a half pass attempts for Spencer. Uh, number two for the defense, over under three and a half sacks. And final over under is 0.5 on the amount of tweets throughout the game uh, by Cade Webb <laughs> that just simply state Ollie Gordon in all caps. Oh, nice. Uh, Ryan, it's good to, good to have you on the program. I mean, we feel like we got to start paying you, but thanks for sending the question in. Um, Dustin, I'll take the under on Spencer Sanders passing attempts. I will take the over on sacks. So again, the uh, Spencer's was 29 and a half passing attempts. Sacks was over under three and a half. I'll take the over on that. And then uh, I will take the under on tweets about Ollie Gordon in all caps. I would love it to be over, but I'm going to take the under. What did he have the Sanders pass attempts at? 29 and a half. That's a good line. It's a really good line. I think I'm going to have to go over since I said over that price pick yardage total because I think he's going to have to get to like a 28, 29, 30. I just, I don't think it's going to be like deep ball over and over and over and over again. So I, I'm I'll go over since you went you went under on that one. Yeah, I, I, okay. Yeah. I'll go I, over there. I, I feel like everybody's gonna think I'm a negative Nancy on the offense. Absolutely not. I just think the game. No, because I'm being bit. way too positive. So this is a good this is a good balance. Okay. You said good. under three and a half or over three. And over half th- I over three and a half. I think it's like six or seven. I, I yeah. I think I think I could I could see it just being right over, but I like the six or seven call. Maybe like four ish, but I, I definitely think they're gonna have several sacks because like we mentioned Richardson he's mo- he moves around well in the pocket like he's not afraid to step up he's not afraid to take yeah, a yeah that's a good point I just don't think he's fast enough to get out of trouble and he may get caught a few times where he's not able to throw it away yeah I I would agree with that six or seven is aggressive but I definitely think he's going to be running uh quite a bit on on Thursday I could see it, yeah. I and I love that line too. I could see it right being right around that three or four, or yeah, being like twelve if they're really just getting after him. Yeah, hundred percent. What was the? And it was one? it was oh, over. Yeah, over under half a tweet. I, I think, think is what he said. I think it's going to be under, but like you said, I, I would love it to be over. Yeah, uh, Ryan, thanks for the question, and Dustin, that's all we have for audio. We got quite a few on Twitter. Um, some of them are, you know. Like they normally are, just funny ones. So we don't have to go way, way into detail on some streams of, these, of consciousness. We've got uh we've got our guy Matt Claxton at Road Crew One. Thanks, Matt, as always. He says, So what trick play do we run on our first offensive play in honor of the untimed down fiasco? Oh <laughs> uh, Statue of Liberty. I'll go with that. <laughs> I think Gundy just takes his shirt off on the first play and throws it into the crowd, lays yeah. in the middle of the field like he wanted to do last time. Do you think he comes out in like a a t-shirt with a a graphic from that game printed on it or him with his shirt off. Oh, like the, uh, the Gallagher Iba homecoming and hoops picture. Oh, I love that picture. But he, uh, he mentioned it again. He mentioned taking the shirt off, laying down in the middle of the field and then said that he's going to have a chapter about that game in his book and that he's one day going to try to get it overturned. Wow. Well, that would be something, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Seems like he thinks about it a lot. Uh, he may be more than he lets on for sure. <laughs> um, next we've got Connor. He 
He's at underscore me next underscore time. So <laughs> at me next time. He said, would you rather have Chelf or corn dog? If we could add one as a backup for this year's team kid, I think I'm going to go with Chelf, even though I'm a huge corn dog fan. I think Chelf maybe just is a little bit more Spencer Sanders ish size wise and stuff. But I think corn dog obviously can run the zone read and you know, he's, was a very talented runner. I, j- I just think, I think Shelf was probably better all around, and I think he'd fit a little bit better with the rest of the quarterback room. I mean, that might be the most that you and I have ever like been on the exact same mental path. I, I absolutely agree for everything you said. Um, and I had Clint Shelf as like my fifth uh, rated Oklahoma State quarterback of all time. Yeah, that went viral on Twitter for whatever reason. <laughs> but uh, I, I still am a Clint Shelf stan. Um, and exactly what you said, he's more like Spencer than Taylor Cornelius. I think that's really ultimately why I think fits the scheme. Well, he's more like Spencer is now, now Spencer, maybe at the beginning of his career when he was just trucks trying to truck stick everybody, yeah. that's probably more corn dogish. but I think now, yeah, to your point, he's, he's much, much more similar. hundred percent. Uh, love that one. Thanks, Connor. Next we've got Alex cannon at a cannon underscore three. He says over under on how many times untimed down is mentioned on the broadcast. He has it set at 10. Oh, I mean, I'm going to go under because I think you got to get it out early. Um, but I'll just say, I'm really glad I'll be in the stadium because there won't be one mention of that there. And I'm really thankful for that. We all know what happened. I don't need another reminder. <laughs> I'm definitely going to do my rewatch on mute and, and stop it when the game did end. And should have ended, right? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I I think it's going to be, I mean, 10 seems a little high, but maybe not. They're going to say it a lot. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It depends on who's on the call. I mean, if it's Tim Brando, Lord Lord knows how many times he may say that. (laughs) We got uh, Brian Metcalf, at Brian J. Metcalf. Thanks, Brian, as always. He said 2016 offense for Central Michigan – uh, 28 of 44 passing for 288 yards and three TDs, rushing 26 attempts for 50 yards and zero TDs. Total offense, 338 yards for an average of 4.8 yards per play. Do you think our offense will do better than this? I do. I think. Yeah, I do too. I, guess it's, I think Spencer Sanders will have close to that 288. Like I, I have over that prize pick of 260 or whatever it was. And then. I think as a team, they're definitely going to rush for more than 50 yards. I, I would love Sanders to be around 40 or 50. You mentioned him running it. What did we set his line at last year every game? Was it 60? Like, yeah, it get, was you know, 60. She wins if he gets over 60. Yeah. I'd love for him to be more. I mean, that's fine if he goes over 60, but I would think he'd be more 40-ish. And if he's going to get 40 by himself, they're going to go way over 50. So I, I think they do better overall. And I just, you know, this is a completely different team, completely different CMU team. So I think it'll be a much different game than that one. Well, and uh, just to call out prize picks again, our new sponsor on the show, um, they have Spencer Sanders rushing total at 42 and a half. So exactly where you said it. Love it. Yeah. And I, I can definitely see that right around that range. So I, I, I agree. I mean, kid, you said you agree as well. I, I just yep. think this offense and to going back to what T nasty said, I think even <laughs> if they, are better than the, the offense in that game. I still don't think that maybe means they're clicking on all cylinders and they're full power 
in this yep. game. Yep, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I totally agree. Next, we've got uh, Corbin at OKC Poke Fan. He says, do you guys think this season will be Spencer Sanders' last ride at Oklahoma State, or does he come back for a super senior season? He said, love the, po- the pod, guys. Keep it up. Corbin, really appreciate that. I don't know. I, I think he's going to have a really good year, Cade. And I know you do too. I just don't, I don't know how much of an NFL prospect he's going to be, even if he has a really good year this year. So I could see him maybe still coming back, but you know, if he's, if he's up there as first team, big 12 quarterback again, you could definitely see him leaving. It's, I don't know, maybe like a 60, he stays 40 percent. I mean, I just don't know where he goes. I mean, that, yeah. I'm I'm with you, um, but I would even put it more at like, in my mind, it's like eighty five fifteen. I just don't know, like a like a good old burger eighty five fifteen. I don't know where else he's going. Like unless he transfers, which, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows like now? That. Yeah, I know. I want it. I I would love for him to come back, and I know you would. Maybe oh, sixty yeah, forty is a little low. Maybe I'll make it seventy thirty. That'll yeah. be my final. You swayed me. Yeah, I, I like it. I know I can do that, you know. Power of persuasion. <laughs> uh next we have Pistol Pete's mustache at <laughs> Pete Stash. He says, Who do you see stepping up to fill the gap left by Malcolm? And he said he doesn't it doesn't have to be a linebacker. He just means overall in the defense. I think from um, like a leadership perspective, it's maybe Lacey, yeah, Jason Taylor, Thomas Harper. And from an overall performance, are I we think not? Jason inc- Taylor's going to be really, really good. I agree. I think I'm going to go Brock Martin. I want to make sure that's a legal entry, though. Like, are we yeah. already including him as like a Malcolm type of leader, or because I think he's going to be the vocal leader of the defense? It sounds like from everything Mason and Gundy has said, and from what we've heard, it's Lacey Taylor Martin are kind of the three like vocal leaders with Thomas Harper sprinkled in as well. And then guys like Colin Oliver and Trace Ford kind of lead by example. So if we're talking about leadership, I think it's, you know, Martin Lacey Taylor, like we mentioned, if production wise guys like, you know, obviously Brock Martin, Colin Oliver, Tyler Lacey, I think all those have the potential to kind of just fill the production and leadership. Yeah. I think everybody you mentioned, Jason Taylor is a great one. Um, I, I would go Brock or Jason Taylor or anybody else you said. I can't see it yeah. being I Colin Oliver, they they say is still pretty quiet. Same with Trace Ford. So I think we've I think we covered it. Yeah. Uh next we've got Luke Stevenson at R Luke underscore four oh six. He says with Blaine Green now out with the wrist injury, who's next in line to be this year's offensive secret weapon? Cade. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Langston Anderson. Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, is is John Paul too much of a he's is he too well known already? Like he was too much of a commodity? No, I think that's a good call because I think he's well known within our fan base and then Big 12 teams that fans that, you know, really pay attention to football, but nationally definitely not and I don't think with the casual Big 12 fan, he's super well known. So I think John Paul is a great call. I think he could be like a 600, 700 yard receiver this year and, and have a significant number of targets. So I'll go with him just from a, like, 
I think he's going to be a focal point. There's a clip of him uh, in one of the meetings in OSU Max, and he's, you know, uh, Braden Johnson is kind of stumbling over an answer, and John Paul essentially answers for him respectfully, of course, but it's like a, it's a really interesting moment where it's like, golly, that kid is uh, one of the leaders just in terms of intelligence and from everything we've heard and seen in terms of skill set too. I think everybody is kind of in love with John Paul and I think he's going to be a big time player not like now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, next up we've got Pistol Paul at Paul tie two. He says, since total rushing yards can depend on how the game is played out, what rushing yards per attempt will make you guys feel good about the O-line and running backs? And, I, I mean, I was just thinking like four something around <laughs> something around what what Dom had last year would be great. I mean, Jalen Warren was at four point eight, Dom was at four point seven. If they could get up to that, but what would make me feel comfortable at four point two would be awesome. Yeah, anything in the high threes for if all the guys are in the high threes, that would be great. But if anybody could get even close to that 4.7, 4.8, that would be really, really nice. Yeah. Oh, God, that'd be fantastic. Doesn't Gundy say it's four for him? Like it's four yards a carry. Is just kind think, of that. Like, I that, think he's around. Is 4.2? Is that what he? He might. It four? might be 4.2. Yeah. It's right around there. And uh, that's the barometer for me. 4.8. And I mean, that would if be. Three different guys are around four. That is completely fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> that would make me feel comfortable. 100%. 100%. Even if just two of them. I, I mean, if these guys are getting four yards per carry, that's going to be huge. Now, if everybody's around three high twos, like I believe, you know, on Desmond Jackson's like 50 attempts, he was around like 2.9. I'd love it to be higher than that. I'd, I think maybe three and a half, over three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple guys were around that, so. Um, <laughs> we we've got a, a a guest appearance from uh one of our 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 good friends dustin's dogs there uh, but dustin i'll go ahead and uh pick it up here as i as i pull my twitter questions up and stumble over it while i'm doing it folks this is what happens when we uh record uh and and we do it live that's number one we do it live and um all right let's go from oakley burklow at buffalo oak is Mike Gundy able to keep Greg Richmond on staff long-term? Dustin, I think so. I mean, aren't we already kind of to long-term? I mean, this has got to be Richmond's fifth year, fourth year, at least. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is, you know, Derek Mason's going to leave after a couple of years, and I think they're going to promote from within. If that's a Joe Bob Clements, if that's a Greg Richmond, but – if someone gets promoted up, I think Richmond just keeps kind of getting raises, kind of being just groomed into that. I, I think they want to keep him around. I think they want – he's such a good recruiter. All the players seem to love him. Love he's a really him. good they coach. He's learned from Joe Bob when they were both defensive line. I just think – I think he's a guy they want to keep around, an Oklahoma State guy. So I, I think they will. I think they'll kind of do whatever it takes to keep him around. I mean, I'm a huge Greg Richmond fan. Shout out, uh, follows Feels Like 45 podcast on Twitter. So big, big, big ups to Greg Richmond. But this is his sixth year at Oklahoma State. So, I mean, he's already kind of long-term in the 
grand scheme of things. Now, granted, Oklahoma State has had a lot of long-term assistant coaches in Dan Hammerschmidt, Rob Glass, um, I mean, uh, Tim Duffy. There's there's a lot of long-term assistants for Oklahoma State, and uh, I don't think that that is uh, any coincidence for the success Oklahoma State's had at some of these key position groups that have developed into what they are. I think longevity there is very important. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kate, I think... I think we got a few more, but I actually think, you know, because we talked about before, I think we may be running a little bit out of time. We just got a few late entries. Um, there's one more I think we can hit that I know we got that I had written down before the podcast. I saw a couple more kind of come through, but we've got uh, our guy Alex Fuller <laughs> at Fuller Funboy 4. So would you trust me, trust me and put your life savings on the Pokes team total points over if I told you it can't lose, he said, I haven't seen a number yet, but whatever it is, take it and thank me Sunday morning. I, if he really, if he's going to, you know, come out, tell us that on Twitter. I just wanted to know when the game is. We trust him. We trust him. Well, that's a hundred percent it. Um, <laughs> and I mean, he's been on the show. If we trust him on the show, I absolutely trust him with my life savings. So hundred percent, you nailed it. I can't wait. Can't wait to see in Boone Pickens Stadium on Thursday. Hey, I tried the Iron Monk 1890, by the way. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. And we'll be consuming uh, several in the stadium on, on Thursday. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, looking forward to the game and hope, hopefully see you there. We meet up for a beer. Yeah, sounds good, man. Well, if you're not already, follow us on Twitter at FeelsLike45Pod. Follow Dustin on Twitter at DustArgu and follow me at Cade Webb. We will see you guys back here next week. Enjoy your long weekend full of college football. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. Go Pokes.